0: to a culture of innovation we interview exceptional leaders who embrace and demonstrate innovation hear their stories and listen as we explore turning ideas into tangible ways to create value and cultivate innovation as a way of life listen and be inspired as an innovative leader together we shape culture and change the world culture of innovation is brought to you by ridge innovative where we practice innovation with a purpose to help companies use technology and breakthrough strategies to achieve business outcomes. And I'm your host, Nancy Ridge. And today I am so excited to introduce our guest, Jeanette DePatty. She is a lead writer and analyst for Propeller Head Inc. Love that name. And just wait to hear a little bit about Jeanette. She is a writer a producer, and a professional tech explainer. I love that title. And she's been talking about NFTs, DAOs, DeFi, and blockchain since 2015, and about technology, she says, forever. (laughs) Jeanette is a seasoned producer of interactive content and has created hundreds of hours of streamed video. She's produced, managed, marketed, and created materials for a wide range of clients. Are you ready for this list? They include Apple, AT&T, DirecTV, Disney, Fox, HBO, Hitachi, HP, Intel, Microsoft, Monsanto, Panasonic, Paramount, Pulitzer Broadcasting, Sony, Southwestern Bell, Spruce, Sundance, Twitter, Universal, and Warner Brothers. Frequently contacted by the media, she's appeared on or in The Wall Street Journal, The New York Times, Dr. Drew, The Katie Couric Show, ABC News, CBS Interactive, and Huffington Post. Jeanette has also served as a national board member for the Producers Guild of America, and today she's here on our Humble Culture of Innovation show. So thank you, Jeanette, for being with us and welcome.
1: Oh, thanks so much. It's my pleasure. I love talking about this stuff. Just give me an excuse.
0: (laughs) Well, we are delighted to have you explain some of these concepts to us. And just to give our listeners a little background, our paths crossed just recently at the Women in Technology Hollywood event. Uh, put on by my friend Nadia over at Sonya, where she over at Sony, where she moderated a panel on creating diversity in the metaverse, which is a fascinating topic. And we're going to get to a couple of questions on that shortly. But before we do, I would like to ask if you would just give us some background on how you became a Text Planer Extraordinaire, Jeanette.
1: Well, it's a very interesting story and not what you would expect. Uh, I actually have a master's degree in opera, so I, I studied singing in college and uh, I enjoyed that very much. But while I was getting those degrees, my my undergraduate and graduate degrees, uh, I met this guy named Brian and. He had started a software company with two other guys named Brian. So it was three guys named Brian. Oh my goodness. And they were brilliant engineers, but they said, you know, Jeanette, we don't know how to talk to people. We don't know how to talk to the investors. We don't know how to talk to potential customers. We need somebody who's good at talking to people. And I said, okay. So I joined the software company as their tech explainer, and uh, i raised our first round of venture capital with uh, a piece of PVC pipe, a plastic funnel, and a plastic straw. <laughs> <laughs> because back in the 90s, nobody knew what uh, MPEG compression was. So I had to find a way to make it tangible and, and relatable. And uh, we got a couple million in, in venture funding, and the rest is history.
0: <laughs> well, that is extraordinary. And I just have to say that what a brain you have, first of all, to be able to listen to the Bryans, hear and understand yourself the concept behind what they were looking to put forward, and then put it into such practical, tangible terms. That's, that's quite a
1: gift. Thank you. I've had a wonderful career doing that and
0: plan to continue. (laughs) (laughs) I just I have to ask for fun. Do you ever break into song with any of this tech (laughs) explaining?
1: Actually, I I have to confess, I haven't posted it yet, but I have written um, a parody song about NFTs and recorded. So (laughs) that'll be coming out sometime soon. I Just can't for wait grace. for that. I can't wait <laughs> for that. For
0: <laughs> that's, that's pretty amazing. Well, okay. So with that understanding, we're going to tap into your, your great gift and, and ask some questions because there are things that, that we'd like to know. And one of the areas that you and I spoke about earlier is there have been so many predictions from the analysts around the metaverse and blockchain technologies, such as DeFi, DAOs, and NFTs, as well as the impact of Web3. Yet, one of the predictions that I've been hearing in my ecosystem is around the technology market and how it will be evolving from the SKU model, product on a shelf, so to speak, to the non-SKUable products, that will be sold as embedded technologies inside other products, services, and solutions. And needless to say, this idea is pretty disruptive to current distribution models. So I was wondering if you could better uh, help us perhaps better understand the impetus behind this and what the future of distribution might look like.
1: Well, I think the impetus behind this is is simple. It's to reduce friction in Uh, product uptake part of the part of the ecosystem right so uh, if you can get somebody everything they need with one click or one button then you're more likely to sell more Um, and people are not so keen on installing 20 different pieces of software or installing you know 20 different apps they're looking for ecosystems of things where they buy in once And everything they need is there. Uh, And a lot of these things are working on subscription models, which Mm -hmm. is a great sort of ongoing predictable revenue model. Right. But it does make a lot of challenges in the sales channel because how do you manage commissions on this? How do you manage commissions on a subscription? Is it for year one? Is it for, for the life of the subscription? And how do you handle churn? right? Because people will buy it for a while and then they'll leave. So I would say that what we're seeing now is that people don't want to have to think about the technology. They want it to be just invisible and just do what they want it to do. So I think that's what's happening.
0: Yeah. They want the business outcome. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think and reducing that complexity is potentially one of the benefits of a model like this.
1: Um, Yeah. And and the job of the CIO these days is very difficult. I mean, the more pieces of software you have to manage, the more ecosystems you're managing, the more chances there are for things to not be compatible, the more potential backdoors there are for uh, piracy and for, Hacks. And so I think that uh, CIOs are looking for more integrated solutions.
0: Very much so. We're, we're definitely seeing that. And, you know, it addresses a lot of other problems that the CIO and the organization is dealing with, not the least of which is how do you orchestrate and manage this complexity, particularly when we have a bit of a shortage of people, you know, that have yeah. the skills and abilities.
1: Not only that, but a significant percentage of your workforce is probably working remotely. So you're not dealing with a unified system anymore. You're dealing with uh, bring your own devices and, you you know, each worker has their own computer, their own phone, their own Internet system. And that really ramps up the complexity of keeping everything working smoothly and securely.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. Well, you know, one of the other predictions that kind of piggybacks onto this non SKUable world is around the growth and emergence of marketplaces out there. Mm-hmm. Um, so I looked at, you know, at this as kind of a follow up because I'm curious if you see technologies such as web three or blockchain or even quantum gaining greater adoption through marketplaces as distribution models, as opposed to our current distribution models uh, under the, you know, assumption that a marketplace is going to look more like an ecosystem. Um, And, and also kind of go going with that, do you think the adoption is also going to be accelerated faster through like internal DevOps where you've got that CIO who's got more control?
1: I think so. Um, I, I, We're already seeing, in terms of Web3, a lot of the uh, DeFi and, well, also centralized crypto and and all of these different kinds of technologies are literally creating trading marketplaces for end users. So I think that Web3, which initially... Web3 is a little weird, I think, because usually it starts with industry and it moves towards the public but I think because of crypto there are some elements of web 3 that kind of started the other way around so that's rare uh, but I think marketplaces are going to be key for like I said making this process smoother it's it's so complex now that anything that the DevOps team can have, that they can just plug in as a module that takes care of everything from security to documentation Mm -hmm. to, uh, you know, configuration. If they can just plug in a module, that's going to be a lot easier for them.
0: You know, uh, you're kind of getting me thinking as you describe that, because, you know, there's been some conversation about how every company today is now a tech company. And yes. you know, you look at the example of like a Ford Motor, um, where they are hiring more and more folks in the tech side of the business, where their cars are really just delivery vehicles of technology. Bad word there, but
1: <laughs> there are so many innovations happening in the automotive space right now. Uh, you know, your cars are getting over-the-air updates to the software. Uh, While they're sitting in your garage. And then you've got EV. You've got all that charging stuff. And then you have the EV, uh, EV, the IVE, the in-vehicle entertainment system. And then you have ordering systems from Amazon and so forth. You have features like heated seats being offered as a subscription instead of something that you just buy once. Cars are like rolling computers in so many Mm -hmm. ways now.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I look at that and I think, you know, there's an, a kind of an
1: example of a industry-based
0: potential marketplace, you know, where that technology could be made available to other car companies or even organizations where they could take some of that tech and modify it for their industry.
1: Yeah, there are some major companies that are doing that right now. Uh, Xperi is one. They are really mod uh sort of modularizing that in-vehicle entertainment system. Uh, Stellantis is doing a lot of the systems that are available in the car. So a lot of these vehicles are vehicle companies are buying these technology chunks from mm-hmm. third-party companies.
0: Mhm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you know, you look at that, that's a new distribution model right there. Mhm.
1: Mhm. But like another example is Starbucks. You wouldn't necessarily think of them as a high tech company, mm-hmm. but they are an extremely high tech company for a lot of reasons. One is supply chain, which I know something, is something you wanted to talk about. Mm-hmm. They also yeah. recently released an NFT reward system for their customers that's linked to metaverse experiences. This is a coffee company, but <laughs> every company is is, like you said, a tech company.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, and and you know that's a good segue to the blockchain uh side of the question and supply chain. I know that you know your particular focus has been on those two areas, blockchain technology and the supply chain. And I'd appreciate an opportunity to, you know, center our discussion on what you've seen so far, what's happening in that environment now and potentially what you're seeing for 2023.
1: Sure. I'm I'm gonna start with a a sort of rudimentary description of how blockchain works. Perfect. I promise I'll keep it two minutes or less.
0: No, that's fine. Thank
1: you. Um I think one of the easiest ways to think about blockchain is it's an indelible record, an unchangeable record of some things that happened at a certain time. And I think one of the easiest sort of analogies you can use is like my husband used to work at Kentucky Fried Chicken a million years ago. And he said that at the end of the night, the manager would take the role of receipts, the physical role of receipts out of the cash register. And if you think about that role of receipts, every transaction's in there. You can't move the transactions around. It's on paper. And you can't rip part of it out because it's obvious that it's missing. And that's Uh kind of what blockchain does. It puts things into a record in a way that is verified by third parties and you can't change it. So that's what's important about it. Yeah. That's Um,
0: good.
1: So I I think when you're going to talk about supply chain, there's a lot of areas where typically there wasn't much transparency in this space. And uh, supply chain is a really critical problem right now, because companies are having trouble getting the materials they need to build the products they need to sell to stay in business that Jack built, right?
0: So... Oh, yeah, we've all been affected in one way or another, or multiple ways.
1: uh, Absolutely. So uh, blockchain can really help from, you know, from the start to the finish of that process. So... From, um, you know, from the very beginning of figuring out what materials you need to connecting with the companies that will build those materials or supply those materials. You can set up those relationships on the blockchain so that you have an indelible understanding of uh, who these suppliers are and uh what their capabilities are you can set a payment based on a smart contract so the day that you get paid is the day that you ship and not before right so that's an important Mm -hmm. technique that can happen sort of behind the scenes Mm -hmm. and then you can track okay which materials were put into this product how were they sourced um were they sourced based on our you know our ESG um our ESG requirements, you know, are they environmentally sustainable? Do they meet our rules for that? I mean, it's everything from oh my gosh, you know, we have to do a product recall, which mm-hmm. products meet the requirements that need to be recalled and how can I find that out on a sale by sale, product by product basis. Mm-hmm. So blockchain can help with all of that stuff.
0: So much possibility, you know, from a marketing standpoint, from a product development standpoint, financial, mhm. So much possibility there.
1: Yeah, and I think everybody thinks about blockchain and they think about cryptocurrency and Cryptocurrency is one implementation of blockchain, but there are so many. And uh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. supply chain and smart contracts are are just really critical, I think, to how blockchain is going to change the way that we live, play, and work.
0: Mm-hmm. Is there anything uh, coming up in the near future that you see, where you see it really transcending that that crypto identity into you know, a more uh, integrated role into, you know, our, our daily lives, whether it's, you know, um, a container, you know, getting on a ship and then transitioning to a semi-truck yeah. to get delivered or, or something it's, along those lines.
1: Yeah, it's not coming. It's already happened. Um, blockchain technology is utilized all over in so many industries. And when it's working right, it's invisible. You don't know that blockchain is doing what you need it to do. You just know that you have the insights you need to make sure that you can deliver your product on time. Hmm. And so so it's everywhere. So
0: many organizations are still, you know, they they haven't really. Maybe they don't know that they've adopted it. It's like a, <laughs> it's an adoption that's that's uh, undercover, unidentified. But I'm just curious, you know, if if you see that there's going to be more data, more analytics that are going to come out of, you know, this adoption that's going to help other uh, other organizations or other industries more readily embrace this technology.
1: I I think they're just not even going to know that it's blockchain technology. Honestly, they're, they they don't need to know. You don't you don't need to know, um, you know how a carburetor works to drive a car. You need to know where to put the oil in, but you don't need to know the working parts. You just need to know what it does. And <laughs> I think that is happening everywhere now in different solutions uh-huh. that are uh, that are already developed.
0: That's a great paradigm. I really like that. Uh, that's really helpful. Um, okay, so I want to switch gears. Mm-hmm. Um, your panel at the Women in Technology event, it addressed how avatars and other identity tools within the metaverse can be used to eliminate bias. And I'm curious, would you please share some of the specific ways this Opportunity could play out, and perhaps begin by describing some of those identity tools before jumping into their potential impact.
1: Well, one of the things that's important about uh, playing in the metaverse, let me just say that the metaverse is the best way to think about the metaverse is it's a continuous, ubiquitous place where people can get together and move seamlessly from one place to another. So if you think about the web, we can easily move from one website to another. We don't have to necessarily re-sign in. We don't have to do a lot of technology switching. We can just go. If you think about the metaverse, that's like a, a, a place where there's no boundaries. You don't have to go to another site. You just walk to the left and you're visiting something else. And so sometimes this you know, implements as a 3D video. Sometimes it's flat video. Sometimes it's audio. Um, And we don't really have a metaverse yet. We have like metaverse X or verses, right? Where they're like little islands that you can go to, but you can't just walk left and be in another island. You're just going to be in the ocean. So the idea of the metaverse is coming, but it's not here yet. Mm -hmm. However, what blockchain allows you to do is store your identity in a way that's different than how you store your identity on the Internet now. Uh, You can create a, a blockchain identity that makes you identifiable to companies as far as you have this permission or you have that permission but they don't know you as a person. They may not know your name. They may not know where you live, but they know that you meet the qualifications to be in this room or this space. Mm. So that right there is a big difference. You know, because right now we are giving away our data on the internet at just an insane rate. And these Mm -hmm. companies are making money off of this data and not Mm -hmm. necessarily in the ways that are best for consumers. Mm-hmm. So that is one thing that the blockchain allows you to do is to, it's called um, KYC, know your customer. You have to know who your customer is enough to know if they belong there, to know if, if they are who they say they are without necessarily connecting them to every piece of data they've ever shared online in their lives. And so that's a big change.
0: That's a positive change.
1: <laughs> yeah. A very some, positive change. Yeah, it, I think it is. I think it's one of the most exciting things about blockchain because, you know, FYI, if you're not paying for that service, you're the product. I mean, that's that's it. So if you're not paying for Facebook, you're the product. They're making their money off of what data they can farm from you mm-hmm. and who they can sell it to.
0: Which, surprisingly, that's, that, that fact is still unrecognized by a lot of people or maybe yeah. just denied
1: <laughs>
0: it's yeah. you know
1: it's interesting we're seeing the different generations like uh gen x a lot of us older folks we don't know right mm-hmm. but as you move down to millennials and and gen z the millennials know knew but they didn't really care but gen z is like ah, oh, wait a minute I know, and I'm not so happy with this. So I think that's what we're seeing generationally with Mm -hmm. this tech. Um, You know,
0: I would agree. Um, Having a Gen Z uh, in my house. (laughs) I see, see, well, he doesn't live in my house, but he's here often enough. I I definitely see a whole different set of values in terms of how he interacts with the internet. Even then his sister, who's, you know, a little bit older, you know, yep. she's a millennial. So it's definitely an, an interesting change. And, you know, the other thing too, as we were at, um, women in tech Hollywood, you know, I, am very much, uh, an advocate for women and girls in technology. And, mm-hmm. you know, one of the things that we've struggled with, of course, is, you know, the rate, um, the wage disparity, And there's been so many different ways that we've tried to address this, including, you know, uh, passing laws in certain states that uh, prohibit employers from asking for salary history, for example. And I look at something like this and I think, wow, this could be, you know, a breakthrough in terms of helping close that wage gap if we could.
1: Yeah, it absolutely could. And and here's good news, uh, ladies. There, the need out there right now in STEM jobs, I've never seen anything like it in my life. I mean, I'm getting cold calls all the time just based on my LinkedIn profile because the need is insatiable for talented, mm-hmm. technical people. And so mm-hmm. go out there and ask for the world. You'd be surprised. You, you probably will get it right now.
0: <laughs> yeah, I get to sit. I'm going to make a little tiny plug. I get to sit on the board of an organization called Aspire to STEAM. And we give scholarships to young women and girls in the tech space um, to help them. And, you know, I every time I see one of these recipients and hear their stories, I'm blown away at really just the capability and you know, how up and coming these women are and what they're going to do. Like this next generation, I am feeling pretty confident that they're going to take care of some things that <laughs> need addressing.
1: <laughs> I think so. And, and you know, to, to swing back to that blockchain, uh, you know, the, the metaverse and uh, representation question, um, most of the time when you're in a metaverse, when you're in any kind of virtual world, you have an avatar and usually it's like a visual representation of yourself unless you're like in a RPG that's, they they still exist text-based RPGs and audio-based RPGs, role-player games, um, role-playing games. But most of the time you're going to have a visual representation and you can choose what that representation is. You can choose for it to look very much like yourself or not at all like yourself. That's up to you. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think it's really important that metaverse applications create opportunities for people to make avatars that look like themselves if they choose. Mm -hmm. You know, it's really interesting. I'm a plus-size woman. I'm, um, I'm not ashamed of it. And only certain metaverses will allow me to represent myself as a plus-size woman. And so wow. You know, and it, like some people have been saying, well, I'm I have a prosthetic limb or I'm in a wheelchair or I'm deaf and I want my avatar to reflect who I am. Sometimes those capabilities are there. Sometimes even with meta, with the billions and billions of dollars they put into it, there's not really that many options. There's like 25 options of outfits and virtually no representation of people with different abilities.
0: Wow. That's, you know, that's the bias that we've had some fear about, Mm -hmm. you know, in the world today relative to machine learning and AI and, you know, how it will pigeonhole or, you know, create realities that, that don't cover the spectrum of, of true reality.
1: I think that's true, and I think it's because of um, unrecognized and unacknowledged biases on the part of the people that are creating these programs. They're like, Mm -hmm. well, I didn't put that in there. Well, yeah, you did. You just didn't realize Mm -hmm. you did because Mm -hmm. you Mm -hmm. have biases that you haven't addressed yourself, and so those biases naturally end Mm -hmm. up in your software. Now it's coded. It's hard-coded. Mm-hmm. So this is something to be aware of. I think we're seeing movements now towards greater transparency mm-hmm. in AI mm-hmm. and how it's developed. However, uh it's it's pretty opaque in a lot of situations and and that's something to keep in mind because mm-hmm. you know, like I've been saying about blockchain, it's invisible. You don't know when mm-hmm. AI is being used.
0: Mm-hmm. That's right. And, you know, I'm a big proponent of uh, individuals developing their emotional intelligence, which is all around raising that Mm self-awareness. And, you know, when you get into uh, these technologies emerging and being created by people at the end of the day that, you know, it's being created by people that raising that awareness to notice that there could be an impact if I'm not mindful about how I'm coding this particular piece of software, or some people don't even realize, you know, that that bias exists until it's brought to their attention through a little bit of raised self-awareness through emotional intelligence. So, you know, we still need that. We still need that human EI (laughs) to create the best technology out there. So, you know, like I said earlier, together we're better. You know, one other thing before we close on this is during the panel, you also talked about how, uh, some of these technologies can create merit-based opportunities for the young techs who may not have those degrees yet from prestigious institutions mm-hmm. and how they can help manage that inequality. Cause you know, we're seeing uh, a little bit more outside of the professional, um, And whether you're a doctor or a CPA or somewhere in that professional realm, in the tech world, less emphasis on those degrees, but it still exists. So I thought this was interesting, too, how. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I think if you look in the thing about how a lot of these universes work is it's all about community. Right. Metaverse is about community. NFTs, uh, cryptocurrencies about community. All of these things are about building a healthy ecosystem of rewards that gets the behavior that you want, right? So, so many of these ecosystems require help, whether it's building the community, whether it's onboarding new users, whether it's finding errors in the code. And a lot of these systems are built on the idea that if you do good work, we're going to reward you with tokens. And, Mm -hmm. you know, as a young person, you want to know that your tokens are liquid, right? Like, can I cash my tokens out for cash? Because if not, they're not so useful. But you can get yourself into a part-time or even like a the same as a full-time job in this space just by proving you can do the work. And mm-hmm. um, there are unlimited levels of communities to join. And even if you don't make a ton of money on your first one, you're going to get the experience you need to get the next job because this is so new. It's so nascent that the educational system isn't really even out there. There isn't really a reliable right. blockchain degree that's gonna get you there right now. Uh-huh. So yeah. It's that's so cool. they don't know who you are. They only know your your handle. They mm-hmm. don't know if you're twelve years old and a genius or seventy years old and looking for a new opportunity. They don't know. They just know <laughs> they found the bugs in the code. They know you're really great at talking to people and you help us sign up new users. That's all they know.
0: An opportunity for the work to speak for itself. Pretty cool. Absolutely, yeah. Pretty cool. So, okay, I always like to close uh, by having a little bit of fun. Not that we haven't been having fun already, but (laughs) I'm curious, a little whimsy. Um, What innovation would you most like to see gain adoption? And it could be anything. I've had guests mention everything from teleporting to magic makeup mirrors.
1: No, teleporting is exactly what was on my list. Travel is something that um, I have to do a fair amount for my job, and it has become more and more and more miserable as time goes on, not better. And Mm -hmm. so anything that can make travel better is, uh, I'm ready for it.
0: I'm with you. In fact, you've got a trip coming up to Vegas pretty soon. Um, One of the things that's interesting about you is you've got this long relationship with CES. So any tidbits you can share as we close out today on that exciting Uh, stuff?
1: Yeah. So I'm going to be I'll be leading some tours out there and I'm just finishing up my my tech trends white paper right now. And it's going to be fabulous. The whole West Hall is all about automobiles, and I think that's Mm. going to be incredibly exciting to people. Mm -hmm. And uh, there's so much we've been away from CES live. They had it live last year, but it was very limited. So I think people are ready to come roaring back, and there's so much to see.
0: I've had a couple of people just in the last two or three business days tell me that they're gearing up for it. So I think you're 100% right.
1: So. Well, I hope now, I see our, you there.
0: <laughs> yeah, if our listeners want to follow you and and pick up on that that new paper that you've got coming out, what's the best way for them to find you, Jeanette?
1: Um, so I'm, I'm on uh, LinkedIn forward slash TextPlainer, so you can look at you can look to me there and connect with me there. Uh, that's probably the best place. Sounds good.
0: Well, thank you so much. This has been really illuminating and fun. My two favorite things.
1: (laughs) My pleasure.
0: So I hope uh, I'll get to see you in Vegas. And for the rest of you, thanks for being with us today. And don't forget to subscribe at iTunes to get updates on new episodes here at Culture of Innovation. And you'll find us at www.soundcloud.com, Culture of Innovation, and be sure to check us out at www.ridgeinnovative.com. Have a breakthrough day and we'll see you next time.